So tonight we're exploring the prophetic, as Chrissy said. We're looking at how and why God might want to use us today, how and why he might want to use us. And we're going to spend a little bit of time later. We're going to carve out some time uh, to have a go too, which is really exciting. I hope you agree. I firmly believe that God wants to use us. He wants to use all of us. Uh, And uh, if we ask, he will equip us. You see, God does the hard work often, and, uh, and we just have to be obedient. We just have to be obedient. We have to be willing to offer ourselves up as obedient people, willing to do God's work, to partner with God in what he has planned for us. Truthfully, when we partner with God, when we embrace our identity as sons and daughters, as children of God, and start to live obediently, we live in both a power and a freedom that is otherwise unattainable. So what is prophecy? Simply put, prophecy is God speaking to us, sharing with us, giving us glimpses of situations, possibly of the future. And he does this in a whole variety of ways. Pictures, words of knowledge, Bible verses, impressions to name a few. Sounds a bit odd, right? Why would God, almighty God, want to speak to little us? What possible benefit could it have? Again, simply put, God longs to interact with us because he loves us. He's always interacting with us. And the more we understand that, the more we become aware of God's presence and his voice the more we open ourselves to the prospect of him talking to us, the more receptive we are to his interactions. The more willing we are to be used by him, the more we find ourselves involved in his work. God is always talking to us, and he knows how to make himself heard. John chapter 10 verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So if God is always talking to us, the responsibility is on us to start listening. And we're not very good at that. We're not very good at that. Or at least my wife, Heather, tells me I'm not very good at listening. She sends me to the grocery store, to the shop, uh, and she tells me what it is she needs me to buy. And you can guarantee that if I don't make a list, I will forget at least one item. If I just try and memorize the list, I will definitely forget an item. Yesterday, it was kitchen roll. To be honest, when I take a list with me, I sometimes also forget an item. It's not that I'm not listening, because I do, I promise, I do listen to my wife. Sometimes, though, I don't listen intently enough. Sometimes I'm just not good enough when it comes to listening, especially when it comes to the mundane, dull and boring things like shopping. But we're not very good at listening in this day and age. We have to write things down. We have to make records. We often keep lists on our phones uh, today because we haven't even got to carry around a notepad, a diary and a pen Instead, we can file it away on the notes section on our phone, and it's accessible at the touch of a finger. 
In the old days, they didn't have those luxuries available to them. They couldn't use phones because they didn't exist, and many of them, uh, people couldn't read or write or didn't have access uh, to writing implements. It was so important that they knew uh, how to listen, that they exercised their listening skills as best as they could because they had to memorize stuff a lot more. And in order to memorize, they had to listen intently. Sometimes I wonder if we've lost a bit of life because we do not listen to each other intently enough. And if that is our interaction with each other, if our daily, practicing, uh, our daily practice of listening isn't very good, then our efforts to listen to God, are they any better? If we struggle to exercise the skill of listening when it comes to our interactions with each other, are we going to be able to listen intently to God? Is it a skill that we even still possess? Well, the answer is sort of, yes, the skill is there, but we need to be really hot when it comes to our listening skills because we just are not used to it anymore. We need to focus all the more. We need to get rid of all the distractions that prevent us from listening intently, push them away, and we need to focus on listening intently. How do I get better at focusing on God's voice? The simple answer is this. You have to spend time listening. You have to spend time practicing. You have to spend time in God's presence. You have to spend time praying. That quiet time of prayer, when you're soaking in his presence and you're not just speaking to God, but you're receiving, you're listening to, the more time you spend in his presence, the more familiar you become with his call, the more familiar you become with his voice, the easier you find it to hear him. Think of your friendships and your relationships. If you've known someone for any period of time, you'll know a lot about their habits. You'll uh, get to know more about the things that make them tick, the things that make them happy, the things that make them sad, the things that might encourage them and discourage them. Again, take my relationship with my wife, Heather. She is going to know my habits fairly well by now. We've been living with each other a while. And as she often reminds me, dishes go in the dishwasher and they're not to be left in the sink to soak. Dirty washing goes in the laundry basket and not on my side of the bed or abandoned next to the shower. Uh, Shoes get put away in the cupboard and they don't get left on the mat by the front door. Coats don't get left on the back of chairs, they go up on the coat hook. And you see, it's getting to the stage now that Heather knows my habits. She knows them so well that she reminds me not to do something even before I've done it. We've spent so much time together. We've, forgotten, uh, we've gotten to know each other so well that we have gained an insight into what the other person is going to do or what the other person is thinking. And the same is true of God our relationship with him. I suppose it is probably unlikely that God is going to tell you where to put your dirty dishes, what you should do with your laundry, and um, uh, perhaps uh, to remind you to make the bed every morning. I doubt that's going to happen, but what I'm sure of is that if we spend enough time in his presence committing ourselves to our relationship with him, then we will get to know God so well 
that we will have this sort of insight into what he wants us to be doing with our lives. We get to hear him clearer. We get to recognize his voice better when he speaks to us. One of my favorite examples of this um, can be found in Exodus. It's that man, Moses. Many of us will be familiar with the story of the burning bush when God meets with Moses in quite a dramatic way on the mountaintop. It says when Moses got to the top of the mountain, this is Exodus chapter 3, 1 to 6, it says this, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So here we have Moses. He's afraid to look at God, perhaps out of respect, perhaps out of fear, uh, perhaps in total awe. And if we fast forward through a good chunk of Exodus to chapter 33, Uh, we can read that Moses used to take a tent uh, and he used to pitch it outside the camp where uh, they were staying uh, and uh, he called it the tent of meeting. Moses would go into the tent and speak to God and it says that God would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Amazing. You see what happens, he met God And he has this experience where he's blown away by what is in front of him. But he embraces who he is. He embraces the identity that God gives him. And he lives his life journeying with God. And because he is committed to his relationship with God, his relationship develops from the initial first date's experience with Uh, when you're a little bit nervous, you're a little bit awkward, you're a little bit uh, fearful, maybe shy, to being one where he's so comfortable. He's comfortable. Moses was comfortable talking to God, so comfortable that he could sit in a tent with God and uh, speak as friends. I don't know about you, but I would love it if my relationship with God resembled that relationship that Moses had with God. We know that God used Moses in incredible, amazing, powerful ways and spoke to Moses in such powerful ways too. We know for the most part Moses was obedient. We know that Moses accepted who he was and lived in the knowledge and the power of that God-given identity. But Adam, that was Moses. I'm me. Why would God use me? I am not Moses. Yes, yes, Moses was an incredible man. And yes, God chose Moses for a very specific and some fairly well-known tasks. But God also chooses you. God also chooses you. When Jesus was with his disciples, just before he ascended to heaven, he says, hey guys, I'm paraphrasing, hey guys, I need you to wait in Jerusalem a while. And, uh, and after a few days, you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And uh, sure enough, 
God's Spirit meets with them at Pentecost and all manner of amazing things happen and people are amazed and we know, we read about it, people are amazed at what's happening, they're talking about it. Some of them are confused, some of them are making fun of it. Amazing things had happened. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, it says this, Peter stood up, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. And he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You see, there is not an elite club. There is no elite club. It says that God will pour out his spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. This is exciting, isn't it? This is motivating. It's important that we embrace it. It's important that we are willing to give it a go. It's important because God himself says it's important. He sees it as being important. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. It's all important. It's important that we follow the way of love. And it's important to embrace the gifts that God gives us. But above all, it says especially prophecy. Prophecy is so important. You see, prophecy, when God speaks to us, he enables us to build people up, to encourage people, to comfort people, to give direction, to prompt. And all these are good things. And so we should eagerly seek the gift of prophecy. Here's a question. Do you eagerly seek the gift of prophecy? Do you eagerly desire any of the spiritual gifts? I hope, I hope that the answer is yes. I hope the answer is yes, because it is what God has asked us to do and still asks us to do. They're called gifts for a reason. God gives us gifts, gifts for us to use, and they are good gifts. They're not the sort of gift like links Africa. They are not the sort of gift like Lynx Africa Shao Chao that you put in the back of the cupboard. Sorry if anyone uses it. You're going to be offended right now. Um, uh, that you put in the back of the cupboard and hope you never have to use. Um, uh, uh, side note, a few weeks ago, I ran out. Now, you'll understand why I don't like it in a second. My side note clears it up. A few weeks ago, I ran out of Shao Chao and I had to reach into that dark pit at the back of the bathroom cabinet, which like you only put things to gather dust, you know, it's that sort of place. Um, and uh, uh, I put things there every January after Christmas. Um, and, and my grandparents had gotten me Lynx Africa and I had to use it because it was either that or I would smell like sweet and rosy like my wife. Um, and, and, and I thought I got to use Lynx Africa because um, she won't like me using her shower gel. Um, and, uh, and I reached back, and for the rest of the day and the day after, I smelt like 13-year-old Adam. 
because that's what I used when I was 13. And, and it wasn't pleasant. It brought about loads of horrible memories. Back on topic. They're good gifts. God's gifts are good gifts. They're not gifts that you want to shove to the back of that bathroom cupboard. They're not gifts that you want to get a refund or a credit note for. They're good gifts that you're going to want to use. You see, when we use the gifts that God gives us, we grow closer and closer to God. We develop an intimacy with him. And faith is all about intimacy. I've learned that ministry comes from intimacy, and we all have our own ministry. God calls us into action and he equips us for the tasks that he sets us. And this is something to be excited about. This is something that we should long for. Psalm 42 says, As the uh, deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Do we thirst do we, do we long to be used by God? Do we long to grow deeper in relationship with him? Do we want to, uh, to know his presence to a greater degree? Do we want to speak to him? Do we want to hear from him? If we do, fantastic. That's fantastic. That's exactly the place that we need to be. That's exactly the place that God wants us to be. And so at the start, I said I wanted us to be expectant tonight. I want us to be expecting that God will move in wonderful ways. And I know he will, because he is always there talking to us. He's always there wanting us to call on him. And I hope by now we're receptive to him. We're open to the prospect of him speaking to us. And so we come to the point where we're going to soon try and put this into practice. But before we do that, it's important for us to have a little think about how we go about it. Ultimately, we want to ask God to speak to us. God, speak to us. We want to listen to him. And then we want to speak out what he speaks to us. There are three parts for prophecy. There's revelation, that's what God says to us, what he's talking to us about. There's interpretation, what does it mean? And then there's the application, how do you put it into practice if that's what you're being told to do? Now, it might seem pretty cool if God speaks to you. God's spoken to me. I've, uh, I've made it. Uh, I'm going to clearly graduate from Christian Academy. Uh, God has spoken to me and there's nothing more that I can do. He, he clearly classes me as a top grade Christian. That's rubbish. We looked before at uh, uh, how prophecies are there to build people up, to comfort, to encourage, to give direction. Prophecies are there to throw out goodness. And when we feel that God is speaking to us about a situation or, uh, uh, or speaking to us about somebody, uh, we have to share it humbly. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about God using you. It's about the situation. It's about the person and God. We are just, we are just honoured to be used in that process. We have to check to see if it is in line with what Scripture would say. It's got to be biblical. Is it biblical? Does the Bible agree with what I feel I've just heard 
And if you're unsure at all, ask. Ask God. God has a way of confirming things. A number of years ago, I was at a festival. Uh, it was Momentum is the uh, basically sole survivor for people in their 20s and 30s. And I had a, had a few uh, tough months prior to this. And I was really quite low, and I was still new in my, in my walk with Jesus, and I felt really, really low. And I thought, well, how on earth? I was hearing all this stuff about God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And I thought, how on earth could God love me? I felt really unworthy of his love, and I just couldn't really believe that he would want to love me. And then a couple of people prayed for me. A couple of people from this church, actually, were away with me. And they prayed for me, and, and God spoke to me directly with a memory, and it was a really vivid memory. I was really excited because I thought this is the first time that God had really spoken to me directly. It was amazing. And then I shared it with somebody else. Um, and they're like, oh, you should read Psalm 40. And I did. And it just perfectly illustrated. It was like as if it was my picture. It was almost as if that, that psalm had been written for that situation. I felt it was amazing. And then I came back home and then I slotted back into work life and, uh, and family life and social life. And you know what? I started to think that Adam's imagination had just run wild and, and it, it wasn't anything. It wasn't God. I mean, why would God speak to me? I mean, you're just imagining things now, Adam. And then I came to uh, the evening gathering um, here a few years ago now, and, uh, and at the end, someone stood up and uh, said, I've, um, I've just I've got a picture, and I'm going to explain it. I feel it's for someone here today. And they explained it, and I was like tingling. I was like, oh my gosh. And they, they literally told me about my picture that I'd had um, uh, when, when I was away. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. God spoke to me, and then I doubted, and he confirmed it, and then I doubted again, and then he confirmed it again. If in doubt, ask. It's important that you give what you get as well. Don't try and explain or relate uh, um, what God is saying to the person or situation too much at least. Sometimes we can end up muddying down what God is saying um, uh, because we're trying our best to explain it and relate it. One of the things that I really struggled with personally when I first started practicing the gift of prophecy is the fact that you might look a bit like a Muppet sometimes because sometimes you're going to get it wrong. And uh, as many of you know, because I've shared it before, I have a really, really tough uh, relationship with failure. I have a fear of failure, and I've told you, <laughs> I've told you this before, and so you can understand that uh, that. It terrified me that I'd say something and I'd look a fool. That really, really, really was something that I struggled with. But we've already said that prophecy should be good, uplifting, encouraging. It should be there to throw out goodness. And so if, if you do get it wrong, if it's not from God, and if it is just Adam's imagination, if you don't hear God correctly, then because it's positive and it's encouraging, then it just becomes an encouraging thought, a blessed thought. It's an encouragement to the receiver anyway. And then the final thing to remember is the moment that you speak it out, the moment that you give it over, your part's done. Your part is done. You haven't got to be chasing up to make sure that that person follows through on what you feel God has said to them. You say it, and then you give it, no, then you leave it. It's important that we just have a go. You don't know how God might want to use you. A few years ago, I was at a youth ministry conference in Birmingham, and um, we'd been, it would have been a really good evening. 
we were heading back to the, oh, I was heading back to the hotel and I was praying as I was walking through the streets of Birmingham and uh, one of my friends came to mind and we were friends at school and we were friends after we left school as well but we sort of like dropped away a little bit we didn't really speak apart from the odd football score update and um and occasionally we used to speak at Christmas but we didn't really have a, a, a it was the friendship wasn't great at the time we weren't really uh, interacting too too much he lives in London and as I was walking and praying I really sensed that God wanted me to reach out to him. Like I could see his face in my head and, um, and his name was there as well. We'll call him Sam for the benefit of this, this illustration. Um, and uh, it, I can remember praying about him and I thought, I need to phone him. And I tried phoning him and I wouldn't get through. And I tried and tried and tried. And it was getting quite late. And so what I did is I sent him a message. I said, look, I need you to, to call me or to drop me a message because I want to know that you're okay. And uh, he 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 did message me back in the end. I left my phone on loud, so if I went to sleep, I'd hear it. And a couple of hours later, he messaged me. He said, I'm really sorry. Uh, I didn't pick up your call. I was on a plane to Canada. I've decided to do a weekend trip to Canada, as you do. Um, and, uh, and he says, but I'm really glad you reached out because um, I've, I'm struggling at the moment, mate. Um, side note. He'd, uh, he had a real tough time with drugs and alcohol. Um, he had a really tough time. Um, and it was ruining him, and he was getting some really tough side effects, and uh, he was in a really bad place. Uh, back on, on now. Uh, he said to me, I'm really struggling, mate, and uh, I've been to the doctors, I've been running tests, and they say that there's nothing wrong with me, but, but there is, and I can't figure it out. And, and, and he was in a mess, absolute mess. And he goes, and actually, I'm really glad you phoned, because... Um, I've, I've actually been thinking um, uh, and exploring um, Christian faith. And um, yeah, um, can you talk to me about it? And so we had this amazing conversation, this absolutely amazing conversation. Um, and I don't know where his faith is now. Um, and, but, but you know what? Amazing. And uh, I could have let that, I could have gone to sleep, I could have had another pint in the pub. Um, and not prayed and, 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 and uh, not obeyed. But I'm so glad I did. Sometimes you just got to give it a go. If you get it wrong, you might feel a little silly. If you get it right, you could really help someone. You could really bless someone. And if you do nothing at all, then you're missing out. 